Welcome to Staying in the Black, a show about teachers and money. I'm Miss Black, a New York City educator, single mom, and personal finance translator. Join me as I build my runway to retirement. Each week, we'll share actionable steps, resources, and inspiration that educators can use to maximize their benefits and improve their personal finances. Staying in the Black means having more assets than liabilities and being able to pay off your debt without any problems. Stop living paycheck to paycheck and build a joyful life. Thank you for joining me. Hello and welcome to another episode of Staying in the Black. I'm Ms. Black, your host, and today we are going to talk about the 2010 rule. So someone asked me about the 2010 rule and I was not familiar with it. So I started to do some research on it. And so basically the 2010 rule says that your consumer debts shouldn't should take up a maximum of 20% of your annual take home income and 10% of your monthly take home income. And the cool thing about this rule is that it can help you decide whether you're spending too much on debt payments and help you limit how much you're willing or how much debt or you're willing to take on or money that you want to borrow. Now, when you're utilizing the 2010 rule, you are not including your mortgage. Now, This is really interesting because it makes sense not to include your mortgage because it's a pretty it's a pretty large debt and you know it's something that your rent and your mortgage is something that you just have to pay so that's going to go under essentials but student loan debt also will skew this rule because depending on how much debt you took out to become a teacher so that's your undergrad if you're teaching in New York City public schools you also um have to get a masters within certain times so you're looking at a minimum of two degrees and if you want to increase your salary you know we get an you know New York City public school teachers get an increase to have 30 credits beyond your masters degree so for most of us working in the system who want to maximize our pay we actually have three degrees. So if you taken out student loans at every level, then that may be a substantial amount of debt which comes out of your net pay. So adding that kind of skews this this rule. But as a basic rule, you don't include your mortgage and what I struggle with with this rule of thumb Well, before I tell you what I struggle with with it, well, let's see how you calculate it, right? So the 20% is of your annual income. If you take into account all of your consumer debt, your borrowing shouldn't be more than 20%, and then the 10% is how much you're paying per month. And this whole per month payment is really interesting because that's how people get trapped into buying more expensive cars or financing a car at a more expensive rate because the car dealer always goes to how much you would pay 
a month, they never really talk about the entire debt. And so the cool thing about this rule is that it it accounts for how much is the total debt um, impacting your annual income and how much is it impacting your monthly payment. So how do you use this rule? Let's say you make $5,000 per month, meaning that your net income per month is 5000 That's after everything uh, is taken out, you have this $5,000. So you multiply the 5000 times 0.0 or 10%, which would give you $500. That means if you bring home $5,000 per month, your total consumer debt payments each month should not exceed $500. So if you're owning a car, like a brand new car, that's definitely going to lower. And that should be your only consumer debt. That's in total. So you would be breaking that $500 by any credit card debt you had, your car payment, any consumer debt would have to be a, you would have to be able to pay it off with that $500. So then you look at your annual debt obligation. So you multiply your monthly after-tax income by 12 to get your after-tax, your annual after-tax. So what that looks like is take that $5,000, multiply it by 12, and then multiply. So you get 5,000 times 12 months. Find that answer. Then you get times multiply that, which is $65,000. So saying your take-home pay is $65,000 times 20%, which is 0.20, and you get $12,000. So if you're bringing home $5,000 per month, or I'm saying S is 65,000, 60,000, if you bring $5,000 per month or 60,000 per year, your total debt should be no more than $12,000. And you're probably sitting here thinking, in New York City, which most of us say when we hear these guidelines. And so that leads me to my point. Someone asked me about the 2010 rule. I started doing investigations this is not the only percentage rule, right? So there's the 50, 30, 20 budgeting saying 50% of your money should go to necessities like your rent, your utilities, and that sort of thing. Um, 30% should go to your variable expenses, the things that you want. And then 20% should go for savings for the future. And It sounds great until you apply it to your situation. So let's go into like what I like about the 2010 rule and what I don't like about the 2010 rule. What I love about the 2010 rule is that it gives you a very conservative number for consumer debt. So if you're bringing home, so this is your net pay, not your annual pay, if you're, uh, your net pay, not your gross salary. So if you're bringing home, you know, $60,000 in a year, or you're bringing home basically $5,000 a month, you shouldn't have more than 
$12,000 worth of consumer debt, which if you're paying the 10% of your take-home salary, which is $500 a month, on this debt, you could manage it. Credit card interest rates are crazy, but if you were diligent, you would be able to pay off that debt sooner rather than later, where it just grows astronomically because of the interest rate that you may be paying. And, you know, if this is a rule you want to follow and you sit down and you really look look at it, you're like, oh my gosh, the fact that it doesn't include or doesn't factor well for student loans is troublesome. And this is where people start feeling shame or guilt or like things are hopeless. And so with all of these guidelines in researching this, what I discovered was, although I love that it is conservative, because when you, if you were applying to buy a house or applying for a mortgage, they don't want you to have more than 30%. So if, you know, of your uh, utilization on your credit cards and that sort of thing. So if you follow the 2010 rule, you're definitely going to qualify for purchasing a house because you would have a lower income to debt ratio if you had a 20% cap on your debt and you were take it was only going to take you 10% of your monthly income to pay it off. So that's the beauty of it. And I think that's the one, the probably the greatest thing about this rule is if you want to follow it, you, your debt will probably, will be pretty manageable. Now, the fact that it doesn't factor in student loans is a negative. The other thing that makes this troublesome is it depends on like where you live. I am debt averse. I've said that several times <laughs> on this podcast and I have to be totally transparent with you all about that because personal finance is personal. And these formulas or these uh percentages. The reason that they come in percentages is because it's about your income and so that they don't give you a flat number and say like it should be only $500 a month because if you're making six if you're bringing home $60,000 a year 500 a month is manageable if you're bringing home $40,000 a month $500 is not manageable so that's the reason that they come in percentages but in researching this and talking to some colleagues what and reflecting on my you know financial journey what i realized is that when i was younger and i wasn't making as much money trying to follow some of these percentage rules would have been a great challenge because i wasn't making that much money when i purchased my home i was making 60 $5,000 a year and I was living off of $45,000 a year and I was a single mom but I was willing to make those sacrifices to make sure that I could pay my mortgage because it was important to me that I got 
the home, the type of home and the home that I wanted to get. As my salary grew, then my the percentage that my mortgage was of my salary decreased immensely. So sometimes you have to throw the percentages out the window and just do everything that you can to make sure that you meet your financial goals. And as your salary increases, as you work to increase your salary, whether that be through a side hustle overtime or getting increases as educators, we in a union, especially you get like two, you know, you get your salary step placement. You also have the ability to move to higher paying school districts if that's what you choose to do. There's pros and cons to it, but you do have the opportunity to increase your salary, which will then probably get you closer to be able to stay in the guidelines of the percentages that people are suggesting to you. So all is not lost. A rule like the 2010 rule, I think if you feel like I, you know, I'm comfortable with some debt, I don't want to be crazy about it. 20% of your income as debt, mm, that's what you're comfortable with, but it's a conservative number. So if it works for you, do it. Um, and then saying, I'm going to take 10% of my monthly salary to pay it off, my monthly take-home pay to pay it off, then go for it. They're conservative numbers. You can be successful there. But if you don't necessarily fit into this 2010 rule, all is not lost. You just really need to look at what percentage of my take-home pay is going to consumer debt. And really, if you have that, a lot of consumer debt. Now, I and even talking about this, I eliminate the student loan. Like, I I feel like the student loan um, is almost on par with your mortgage if you're managing them well. And you have all of this going on right now with loan repayment has been frozen for almost three years at this point. So if you, I feel like, they also need to knock the the student loan part of it. But the student loan, at this point, it, it turns into consumer debt, usually at a lower rate than a credit card. But I already made an adjustment in my head in trying to explain it to you. I'm like, nope, the mortgage comes out and the student loan, I'm not putting it in to this equation because those are things that you have to pay. You need somewhere to live, like the mortgage or the rent, and the student, you have to pay uh, student loans are the one thing that they can garnish your social security check for. So you're never going to get away from them unless they're forgiven. And luckily for us who are teachers, we generally work in the public sector. And if we make the 120 payments, it will eventually be forgiven, which it isn't even tied up in this new low repayment thing that uh, Biden is trying to get through. I hope that he does get it through and people are, or their loans are um, forgiven or a significant amount of their loans are forgiven. So I've already altered it in my head. The true meaning of the percentage, they don't allow you to alter it. They say that your student loans are included in that. So depending on where you live, depending on your financial situation, this may or may not work for you. 
What is important is that you have a clear understanding of your debt, how much it is. And then the beauty of this, another, you know, is like, look at it in your take-home pay and not your gross salary. Because that's one thing that really impacts growth of consumer debt. Once you hit a certain number, you're feeling like, you know, we're in the money and (laughs) you're not. And so calculating your debt percentage on your take-home pay versus your gross salary is key. I think, you know, the way banks and credit card companies kind of, you know, say, oh, it should be, you know, 20 40% like your home if you're purchasing a home you know 30 to 40% of your gross salary you don't bring your gross salary home and so you got to pay that out of your net salary and if you just shift to how much debt can i take you know how what percentage of debt repayment can i take from my net pay my take home pay I think people would have a better understanding and make better borrowing decisions instead of thinking, oh, I make $80,000, I make $90,000, I make $100,000 plus, I can afford to pay, make these large monthly payments because it's like, oh, I can pay the monthly payment. But when you really look at it, you're like, oh my goodness. This is a lot. And it's because you're calculating on your gross salary and your net, depending on which uh, tax and tax bracket you're in, could be 20 to 30 percent less. And that's just your federal taxes. That's not even your state um, and city taxes uh, as those of us in New York pay. So really, that's the one thing that I liked about this uh, 2010 rule and I challenge you all to look at it. If you're over it, then work yourself to getting, you know, at it or below it. And I say exclude your, your mortgage or your rent and your student loans. But if you want to include your student loans in there, feel free. Um, it would be great if your student loans, if you have a car loan um, and if you have you know, a credit card balance, that it all fit within that 10% of monthly payment and 20% of your gross, um, of your net pay. Uh, So that is the 2010 rule in a nutshell. The highest leverage step that you could take to inputting, to incorporating this in your financial plan going forward is do the math. Figure out what your annual net pay is and figure out what 10% of that net pay is and use those as a guideline for how much total debt you should take and how much you should be paying on all of your consumer debt in total. Um, annually. If you follow this rule and you're trying to purchase a home or you're trying to uh, 
get a loan for from the bank for some other purchase, you would qualify for that purchase easily because you are way below the thresholds that banks look for when it comes to your income to debt ratio, which is why I decided to share. Um, well, someone asked, but also <laughs> I could do this podcast because again, I struggled with it. Um, just knowing in my own life's experience that these percentage guidelines are not one size fit all. And so if you need guidance, this is one that will support you in making your debt decisions, how much debt to engage in. So thank you for listening. I look forward to speaking to you next week. And remember, stay in the black. Thank you for joining us this week at Staying in the Black. Subscribe to make sure you never miss a show and visit our website at stayingintheblk.com. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at stayingintheblk. If you like the show, please tell a friend and leave a review in iTunes so that we can continue to bring you amazing episodes. Thank you for listening. See you next week when...